This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Hey, Ron, we have Donna Hoffman, an amazing designer, coming on the show, correct? Indeed, she is amazing. She's coming on next week, 512, and the week after, 519, with two dynamite interviews. One for the design-it-yourself person who doesn't hire a designer, and then the other one, she's going to tell you how to choose a designer, how they work, the different types of designers, etc., etc., etc. you got to listen to these two interviews, 512 and 519, and you know what? If you listen, Donna's got a special gift for you. It's her ebook. What would an interior designer do? Checklist your way to a great room. It's an ebook that's brimming with over 100 easy to implement design ideas that add style to any room. Your beautiful home is just one checklist away. It regularly sells for $27 for all listeners. It is absolutely free. So listen those two weeks and get her ebook. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. Okay, Kev, we are working, and you've got a good replay, I understand. So a lot of people are asking me about the advertisings on social media, and it's a lot of for roofing to generate more leads for roofers in social media. So what they're doing is just trying to, it's a pitch, basically what this is, is how do I get more leads? Mm-hmm. And it's great because what happens is in my business, you have a slow up of new construction. The new construction guys that roofers, sidings, they need to get more work now because the new buildings have completely shut down. So with that, social media advocates try to go after, how do I gonna be able to generate more money? Basically, I looked at it, it's another online service is what they're trying to generate. But I still can't get my hand or grasp around some of the things that they're talking about to generate more leads. Okay, like what? So you're trying to generate more leads. Where are these leads coming from? Are they gonna be live leads, active leads, somebody that is interested in doing this? Because every time you, you're not paying per lead, you're just paying them one lump sum. I see one, three or four months later, they're gone, another one comes up. So is that company then go out of business and then start up another one to say, we're gonna get you some more leads? So I'm trying to talk to some of these people, but problem is that my name is coming from your valuable home. They don't wanna talk yeah, to me. they don't wanna talk to you. And I listen, okay. I'm not here to try to expose anybody, but I just wanna make sure that homeowners are taken care of. That's what the show's all about. I don't care about any of these companies that are trying to scam or anything like that. I'm trying to make sure homeowners understand if you're going to be getting a job done to get it done right. But still, it really comes down to the contractor also to make sure he's legitimate to do this. So then I looked at a few of the things that, when I said these companies staying in business, then you have uh, online referrals. They were done in the past and they're still popping up. Do they work? And I try to get input from my listeners. Uh, None of them have very good success with them, 
But the other thing I always look at is the insurance fraud of how they're going to be doing this. You know, when it says, hey, look, we're going to give you some more leads. We're going to generate them for you so you don't have to do them. Here's how we do it. Let's talk about insurance fraud. See, they don't say insurance fraud because you can't do that. But think about this. You and I talked about several times how roofing products today are better than they were years ago. Right. So if they're better, and I throw myself back into the mix saying, when I was doing roofing from the mid-80s all the way up to the oh, mid Shingles and everything have to be far, far superior they are. today than then, right? So if they are, why is it that we're having more problems now than ever before? Because all the roofing that I did... Got to be the installation. That's probably a good part of it. Mm -hmm. So having the product there. So my question is, if you're getting a roof, you think he's the greatest thing since the cat's meow, and you're having roof problems year, two, three years down the line, how good is that roof and or roofing product? So when I talk about the roofing product, I say, I very rarely see roofing product because I can't understand how... Even though we're having higher winds here, these shingles are rated for well over 100 mile an hour winds. So if these shingles can be installed correctly, why are they having problems when I did maybe 80 mile an hour winds, like three tab shingles? I never had any blow offs. And I'm going back from the 80s and 90s. Interesting question. And nobody has a very good answer for me. So if I, because I was personally doing the roof and I just didn't want to do it because I knew the industry was changing. And then in 1996, I told my guys at this point, I personally am not doing any more roofing, so I don't sell roofing anymore. I, I sub it out. So, But it's those applications through the well, years. Not only that, it's got to be the more dangerous part of um, construction, right? It is, plus your yeah. workman's comp is going to be through the roof. Yeah, so right. I don't touch any of that. I just got out of it a long time ago. Because the workman's comp is probably the biggest thing. That's probably one of my biggest costs mm -hmm. that I'm going to incur. But roofing is, it's a different element. And I just can't see how today new roofs that have been put on from 10 years ago to now are just blowing off. Because I didn't see it. I, here's my question. Then people are like, well, we could have had some higher winds. I'm like, all right, well, I'm still going back to my mm. roofs because I had a sub who, who did, worked on my roofs. I still don't have to get any callbacks because they're going to call me first. If there's a problem, that's why when I refer roofers, they're going to do the right job because I, I know their work. But why is it that even if I refer work, done work, or had sub work, where if I'm doing an addition because I'm personally not doing the roofing, I never have problems. But everybody today is getting these hey, you know, uh, I'm a roofer, and first thing I should do is call the insurance company because I'm sure you have shingles ripped off. That's what I'm... Well, what, you, might, you may be putting your finger on a, um, on a knowledge problem. People don't have the knowledge to do it correctly, or on a scam problem. I see or more both, of a scam. Or both, or both. Yeah. Insurance fraud is insurance fraud, mm -hmm. no matter how you look at it. If you know that's not damaged, your roof's not damaged, you allow a roofer to go up there and pull some shingles off, that is insurance fraud. And I, the problem I have is, why are the insurance companies paying this? I would love to get an insurance company on and say, hey, listen, can you tell me why you're just paying this out? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know when, if I get up there, nine out of 10 times, I can probably tell you. We ought to cover that subject. We ought to cover that subject. It's, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And every time I say to somebody like billions, millions, no, 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 billions. Think about all the neighborhoods in your area. Now think about all the roofers getting done. Talk to those homeowners and say, hey, by the way, so you got a new roof done. How many times you're going to say at least, I'd say seven out of 10 are going to say, yeah, we got that paid by the insurance. Well, when around here for the past couple of years that we had 120 mile an hour winds that that roof should have blown off. So my question is if when insurance companies are insuring your house, it's for accidental, not maintenance. But a lot of people with these older homes are saying, "Ooh, we have some roof rip off. Well, it's a 30 year old roof. You're paying them all this money to redo it because it does add to our insurance costs and we don't put claims in as being homers in that zip code.
Sure it does, yeah. See, people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more into it, but I I know it's tough for us to get insurance companies. I know we're exposing a lot of this and a a lot of fraud, but it's worth knowing for homeowners that if you're going to be putting an insurance claim through, if you know it's not a proper claim or a fraud, you don't want to do that. I would love to get any insurance company. I got a lot of good questions from. Nobody wants to answer my questions. I mean, basically it's simple questions like why. I just want to know why. Mm -hmm. So because it does affect everybody else that are not doing this. And people say, well, listen, but I never put a claim in. I said, well, listen, there's a lot more than that. And I'm not going to go into it right now, but it does add to the insurance because number one, if you're having a lot of claims in an area, there's going to be a reason why. Well, if you haven't claimed, if you move to Miami-Dade, Florida, have you noticed that it's a little bit more to have insurance down there and buy homes down there because they got to build different? The insurance that you're going to be paying is going to be higher because oh, of all throughout the storms. Florida probably is. Because they're prone for those storms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're having storms around the country, it's not, believe me, everyone talks about certain elements. Yeah, I get tornadoes that do come through here. They're one F2s that are in this area. I understand they can do some damage. Mm-hmm. But some of these Cat 5 hurricanes that are coming through do much more damage. So we can build today better. But they do broader damage. It's because a, a tornado is essentially, you know, it's going in a line. It may turn a little bit. But it's going in that line. It's going to rip things apart in that line. You said it. Exactly. Because there was a couple local here last year. Do you remember that? That came through here? Yeah. And no doubt about there was damage in that area. Yeah. And the house next door was fine. Right. But what about the ones that are two miles away that not even were near that tornado? Oh, by the way, look at that. That whole development has hail damage or it has wind damage. But it wasn't even near that storm. Mm-hmm. So that's my question is, how's that work or that out? tornado. Yeah. yeah, so if that storm comes through there, how are these people doing it? So that's the guilty conscience that you, the homeowner, and or the contractor saying, hey, listen, we don't have any damage. Now we have damage? That's my question for you. But I'm not accusing anybody of it, but I know well, what, what I've seen. What you're saying then, too, is because the insurance co- insurance rates are going to go up in that area, everybody who's insured in that area is helping that those homeowners pay for the new roof. Correct. So that's what we like to, listen, we're not attorneys. We're not insurance guys, but let's get somebody on that. Yeah, we, I'll work on that. If we can get that, it, it really would help out a lot of the people today when they're trying to get these roofers to do a job that you're going to be doing a roof because your house needs a roof. I always tell people, look, you have a 30-year-old car. What are you going to go back to Ford and say, hey, my engine blew. It, it wore down. Well, maybe I'll just call the insurance company and get a new engine. Do they pay for that? That's another yeah. question. So if you're thinking about the same thing with insurance company, your roof is old and it needs to be replaced. Welcome to homeownership. Because I don't put claims in. Like I said, I, I try to get my insurance company the highest deductible possible. Again, I'm a contractor. I redid my house. But a lot of people don't have that advantage. But you do have the advantage when you hire the right contractor, do the right job at the right price, you're not going to have that problem because he's going to do it right. So it minimizes the cost of any damage that you can occur in these storms because they're doing it right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. These products today are not built on you know, 30 mile hour winds, 50 mile hour winds. The products today are built better and better. So if they're built better, you still need to install them the correct way to get optimal performance of roofing shingles, siding, sure. windows. Mm-hmm. And that's another problem that if these roofers are doing these jobs, why are these some of the shingles that are legitimately blowing off? Why are they blowing off? And why, are, why aren't mine blowing off? Because some of mine were in that tornado alley in Doylestown and in Upper Dublin. Now, I never had a problem. Mm-hmm. That's the question I have for it. But yeah, but these ads uh, for roofers, again, I, I, I'd i like to get some of those advertisers on the show. If you know anybody, just contact me here at Kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. I'd like to get your opinion on how you're trying to sell this to other roofers and you know what is the method of application you're using to generate the leads for these roofers. That's all I'm asking. 
Time for a horror story again. We've been telling, we're probably up around 500 now in terms of all the time we've been doing this in broadcasting and in podcasting. So what do you got for us today? Yeah, 500 that aired, 55,000 probably with uh, all the calls that we talked to over the past uh, 10 plus years or nine plus years that we've been doing this. Here's why education is so important. So we talk about, hey, I'm going to get some tile work done. Now, tile work seems pretty easy, right? You put it on the wall and you're, you're done, right? Mm-hmm. But I always tell people, even if a bad tile installation is a problem, even a good tile installation could be a problem. New products out today think they're the gem of the world. And look, they, they are great. I saw, I'm the old fashioned way. If I'm doing tile on a wall or floor, I'm still using concrete board. I'm still gluing that product down to the subfloor, making sure the subfloor itself or the studs are in great shape and secure. Concrete so, board, you mean for the base, the substrate? Right. Okay. That is the... If you're doing a bathroom, your floor contractor rips everything down to the plywood. But number one, you really want to make sure there's no squeaks in the floor. That mm-hmm. that plywood that is either nailed, uh, glued and nailed, could be both, but hopefully it's glued and nailed, or make sure they're, they're secure to that joist. Because if you get movement in that plywood, it's going to relate to the concrete board, which is going to then relate to the tile, and you're going to have some problems down the line, cracking, cracking, tile, grout, all the above. So that's Everything the, you don't want to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. And even new product or old product, if you're going to be putting product down, it has to be installed correctly. Well, apparently these people had hired somebody to do a job. Tile job was great. They were very happy with it. But what it comes down to after three months down the line is if you don't glue that product down to the substrate or just nail it up with a few nails, you're going to get movement in the house. And if that underlayment is moving pretty severely, the tile is going to then show its ugly face. Tile job was great. Underlayment was a shortcut. So none of the underlayment was done correctly. So which means they never glued it to the substrate. So that floor that just had a couple of those screws in it. Is moving. Is moving. Mm-hmm. So what happens when an underlayment's moving and tile that's sitting on top of it, what's going to happen? If it's tile and it's grouted, the grout's going to crack and tile may crack too, right? It started with the grout <clears throat> getting loose and mm-hmm. then two tiles on the floor, two 12 by 12 tiles had cracked. Mm-hmm. So it was nice enough. They said they, they dealt with one of the larger companies in their area. And they came out and said, hey, we've got a problem. We're going to repair those two tiles. So this is when I spoke to them They're saying, crack again. <laughs> or we'll give you an allowance and then you can use somebody else. But they came up with a few different suggestions. But I said, well, if the bigger company's there, why are they giving you allowance to go get it fixed somewhere else? So trying to wash their hands free and clear of it, because once you do that, they're going to say, well, another contractor touched our work, so we're not going to now of warranty course, it. Of course. And it's only been three months. So... I said, the only way to fix that is you got to rip everything out again. And she said, can you explain that again? I'm saying, everything that's done, because you're having tile on the- to be undone. That's right. So the contractor who did all the work, because the tile was done by somebody else, there was a contractor and then a tile guy. So the contractor had to get involved to rip that up. Again, recharging her, a cost to rip everything out and then have them come back in. But my question is, is I said, but listen, that company that's installing the tile, the flooring, and the wall. So is it a install-only flooring company? Is that is that how they do it, or is it a flooring company? Because you see all these flooring companies, but most of them, are, it's install-only. They don't like to rip out. If you ever notice that, check the companies that do not like to rip out. Well, what do you, how are you supposed to do it? you got to find somebody else to do it. What are they expecting you to do? Have, have the homeowner to do it? Rip the it homeowner out? to either find somebody. Or rip it out himself. Yeah, because nobody wants to do it. It's a lot of extra work. Plus, the subs they're using are really just qualified to install it. But as you see in this one, they... They weren't qualified to do it right from the beginning because it's important just not to see the tile part of it. It's important to see to make sure the underlayment is done correctly. 
And one of the things that I do, because our sponsor of the show, Tom Adams, I've been working with them for 11 plus years now, but I do all the prep work and they do a phenomenal tile job, but I want to make sure that that prep work's done even down to the subfloor because it does have a little bit of carpentry screws if you do have some rot that you do need to replace. And if I can do that from the beginning, this is what I told this homeowner, this is what I actually do is I'm the one that puts the concrete board down because I know I'm personally screwing, screwing it and gluing it. And by doing that, I know you're not going to have a problem. And by doing that, because the first person you're going to call, is going to be me because I'm the one doing your bathroom. Well, I don't want those callbacks. So if there's a problem, I know where it's going to be. And once the tile's installed, if there's a problem, because most of the problems that anybody can have is maybe a little bit of grout that comes out between either the tub or the tile, that connection there or anywhere around the edges, because you have your floor and your wall reflecting at, at two different paces and it can get a little loose, but that's not the problem. It's in the middle of the floor. If you're having problems like this lady was having, which led to tile damage, then you're going to have a little bit of a problem. So it's starting it from the beginning to make sure if you're going to have a horror story, knowing what you're going to be doing from the beginning to make sure, yeah, you're hiring a big company, but you still have to make sure that that big company is doing a great job. And for somebody to say, hey, by the way, yeah, we'll fix it or we'll give you money to have it fixed by another company. It's probably not a very good cow company that you really want to associate with. So you you can let them know about that. I wasn't a big fan of them having somebody else do it or give you an allowance. If there's a problem, just fix it or quality control. Maybe you have somebody go out there that works for the flooring company to say, hey, make sure that underlayment is done correctly. Because if it was just a tile problem, you can fix that easier than ripping the whole floor out to make sure that the underlayment was done correctly from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why would anybody want to just replace the tiles and go over, you know, just mask a problem? Again. That's exactly you what know, it that, is. You just, I just I'm thinking some uh, something here while you were talking. I wonder what the figure is in the United States every year of work that has to be undone and redone. It's got to be a boxcar number. It'd be a huge number. I couldn't even grasp my hands on it. Mm-hmm. See, that's when people tell me I'm an anomaly because I'm the one doing it with Dave too. I mean, I think Dave's really doing most of the work anyway. But it, it's I know what I'm doing. Because I know personally, I own the company. If there's going to be a problem, I'm getting callbacks. I hate callbacks. Yeah, why would you want to do this, the same thing over again, probably for no money, because you did it wrong? It doesn't make any sense. Right, so why would you make the shortcuts? I don't know. I don't Is know. it lack of knowledge? You're not it's, getting paid enough money to do it? Uh, I, it's probably a combination of both. I think it's uh, a combination of both in terms of probably put lack of knowledge way up there, but not caring is probably another component of it. That's problem. a good one. Yeah. I know personally that a lot of the companies that are running or new, I say a new business in the past five years, they're trying to get as much money as possible. So what they're going to do is they're going to hire the cheapest subs. That's how they're going to maximize their profit. Well, the subs aren't getting paid to do all this extra work. They're not going to do it. Right. Exactly. So that's what you have to look at. Right. And then the worst part is after a couple of years, these companies have so many callbacks, they go out of business. Think about if you, if you really do some research. Or they get sued out of business. Any type of research. Mm-hmm. Ask and see how many companies applied for a new license in the state of Pennsylvania where we're at. They applied for it. How many went out of business already? I've been doing it just 33, going to 34 years in August. So I'm still around. A lot of companies I know, they're still around because they have a reputable background that they're doing the job right. Mm-hmm. But think about all these new companies that are here and then they're gone. I would love to have some research to say, hey, state of Pennsylvania, how many of HICPA license numbers that came in have went out of business already or not in or business going anymore? Out of business, yeah. Because it's every two years you need to it's refile. Pretty pretty sizable number. So why is that? If that's a big cost, that takes out of your profit. Now you have no profit. What are you doing in the business? Like, it, 
being contractor is not as easy as people think. There's a lot more than just slapping no, some tile up. I don't upward. think it's easy at all. I don't think it's easy at all. Maybe some of the people who are going out of business think it, think it is easy and find out that, hey, listen, I was way off base with that. Get as much money as you can yeah. up front, and when you go to business, just file for bankruptcy, and you're free and clear. And all that's right. just not good for the American people today. Well, we got to leave that right here, and I just want to tell everybody to stay tuned. You know, my uh, you put my Trex deck in, what, it's about four years ago now, something like that, four yep. years? It's coming up in the time of the year where you get all the deck furniture out and everything again, you know? I'm looking at my deck, and I'm saying, man, that really looks good four years later. So mm-hmm. I wondered about that. My Trex, you just put a Trex. I just put it in my okay. house. So we've got Trex coming on to talk about how they keep that good-looking stuff looking good year after year after year, in addition to other things, in addition to some new products they come out with, too. So stay tuned, because we've got Mike Onderko from Trex coming on to talk about all those subjects in Trex. We'll be back right after this break. Kev, is it hard for clients planning large exterior projects to visualize how the colors and textures work together? It used to be, especially when they mix products from different manufacturers. Provia's new website and broad selection of exterior products make my job easy. Clients' faces light up as they choose all the products needed to give their home's exterior a now look with Provia's product line and their amazing new website. We use their visualizer right from my laptop. Hey, the site is amazing. Provia makes color selection a breeze. The website has eight suggested exterior color schemes that can be applied to Provia products, or customers can choose shades from any palette to suit their own tastes. The Design Center tab must be a great tool for you in visualizing how all Provia products work in harmony based on window and door configuration, siding, stone, and metal roofing color and style. It's brilliant. You can see how Provia products work together on a sample home or a photo of a client's own home. Then you save the work with the My Portfolio tab. The site even lets me take exterior measurements. The new Provia.com and an expansive line of exterior products deliver on Provia's mission, which is to serve by caring for details in ways others won't. For updating home exteriors, our listeners should go to Provia.com slash YVH first and visualize the possibilities. All right, Ron, now time for the featured segment, and we are, believe we're going outdoor living space is what we're going to be talking about. What do we have? Well, we're going to be talking about what you've got and what I've got. You just swapped out deck decking boards, boards for, yep. for track. Absolutely, right? yes. And you put my track stack in, what, four A few years, years ago, ago? Yeah. yeah. Did you for a minute think about how those boards were standing up over the long haul against salt air down there? Well, yeah, that's why I chose tracks. I know, and I did, I did the same thing. And you don't have to. If you choose Trex, you don't have to think about that long-term stuff, okay? Because Trex decking is engineered to stand up to everything from seaside environments to summer humidity in Texas and Florida to Wisconsin winters and the sun-baked stretches of California, Arizona, and New Mexico. I know that. And mine looks as good today as when you put it in four years ago. It's amazing to me. It just never changes. As you recall, you did mine, and all I do is maybe once a year, I'd scrub it down with dish soap and a brush, and that's it. And it looks, it comes right back. So with us today to talk about how Trex product is engineered for durability and long-lasting good looks, and the Trex line, the product line, is Mike Onderko, Director of Product Marketing for Trex. Mike, welcome to your valuable home. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys having me participate in the call. Uh, This is going to be interesting, and uh, we're real Trex fans. How is Trex decking engineered? What makes it look so good for so long? Well, I mean, it really comes down to the material composition that, in essence, has been the same from Trex since we started. And so 
the core. It's really a product that has a core that's made of recycled plastic um, wood scrap and sawdust. And then it's capped with a high-performance shell that really brings out the beauty of the product. And then certainly a lot of the longevity as it comes to be with fade resistance, etc. But yeah, it's, it's always pretty much been the same. I think in part, it's that stability in our process and in our product recipe that has made Trex what it is today. So what in the manufacturing process keeps Trex decking from rotting, from warping, from splintering? So in essence, I mean, I think the easiest way to think of it is how you maybe as a kid thought of how you extrude Play-Doh with a Play-Doh machine. And so we've got a large extrusion process here at Trex where we take wood scraps and sawdust, which are often susceptible to some of those issues that you recently referenced here. Mm -hmm. And we're basically extruding that and mixing it under high heat and pressure into the board that is then all bound together with this recycled poly. The combination of the wood and poly and that end product is really something that's impervious to a lot of the challenges that you would see with just a traditional piece of lumber. Is Trex termite resistant as well? It is. They have no trouble eating through wood, but once they get into something that is bound together in, in a core form that has plastic, they don't get very far. So yes, it is definitely termite, termite and other insect resistant. My deck boards don't exhibit, and yours are going to be the same, even with the sold air down there, I believe, uh, don't exhibit even a bit of fading. How do you prevent the Trex from fading and, and staining too? If you get some of the grease from the barbecue on there, you just wipe it right up. If you wipe it, wipe it up right away, you never know it's there. How, how does that happen? We actually warrant our products for fading and staining. That comes back to the co-extruded shell that is on the top of the board that is a formulation of high-performance polymers. And so the ingredients to that high-performance shell include UV stabilizers that prohibit it from fading, depending on the product line, for a warranty period up to 50 years. And from a, uh, an aesthetic standpoint, just maintain what it was that you purchased to to look like it, it did the first day you installed it. The Trex website, which I think is magnificent, also claims that your uh, newest deck boards are the are the coolest underfoot. And this, I, this I found interest that you've ever made. How do you do that? That's something that we've we've brought to market with the recent introduction of Trex Transcend Lineage, one of our new premium here at Trex. In, in essence, it, it again comes back to the shell technology on the top of the board. There's a couple things that do help you in the assistance of mitigating or reflecting heat from the board from the sun. One of them, and the biggest contributor, is IR reflectance. So we're now putting an ingredient that we'll call an IR reflectant in the shell formulation of the board. So it's inherently going to reflect certain UV wavelength to effectively reduce the temperature of the board. The other aspect of it that, you know, is no surprise to anybody, people don't like to wear black t-shirts during the summertime, is darker colors tend to absorb more heat. And so you'll find within our lineage line that we're offering, you know, among our lighter colors or our lightest colors of, of any of our product lines within that line, just because we, we know it's a, it's a major contributor to, again, not absorbing heat when it comes from the sun. Trex makes three different decking SKUs, Trex Transcend, Trex Select, Trex Enhance. What is the commonality in how those boards are made and what's the difference, I think? We introduced shelf technology with the Transcend line about a decade ago. So that's where it all got started and, and that's where we were able to ladder onto our future benefits set to include the fade resistance and the stain resistance and, and the improved durability from what traditional composites were. 30 years ago when the category started. Over the years, we've gradually introduced that shell technology 
across our product lines at different price points. And so Select is, is a lower price point product than Transcend, and, um, and Enhance Basics and Naturals are uh, an even lower price point from that. And the, the, the major difference between the products, they, they all are uh, offering high-performance products. They all have an extremely long longevity to them in the application. They're, they're all you know, relatively low maintenance in terms of cleaning, but it really comes down to the aesthetic offering and durability. And so the, the shell is formulated a little bit differently in the different product lines to provide that consumer who is going to buy the premium product with maybe a more vibrant or array of colors and, and grain patterns, you know, to provide, a, you know, additional durability. And, and a lot of times what we're talking about on a deck is scratch and mark performance when you think of chairs moving around on a deck and a little bit to a little bit of an extent um, workability. And so when you go from our Transcend product line, which is a, a solid one-inch profile, um, down to Enhanced Basics, which is our entry-level product, the product is then scalloped, and so there's a little bit less material in the core. So the workability to a contractor that's trying to do really unique design things is, is, is a little bit more difficult on those entry-level products than, than what you would find with Transcend. But last and, and not least is what we offer in terms of a warranty on those products. And so when you're with a tropical or Transcend lineage product, you're talking about a product that has a 50-year warranty, um, both on a manufacturer's warranty and as well as fade and stain. When you go down a level to select, that's a 35-year warranty and a 35-year fade and stain. And then at the enhanced level, it's 25. You know, when you think about warranties, you really have to think about it in the context of it's really a free insurance policy on the quality of your deck for a certain number of years that is provided by that product line and, and what you're paying for it. There are a variety of differences to meet the different consumer segments, and with that comes features and benefits. Yeah, with a th- even a 35-year warranty, I mean, you have more mm-hmm. of a chance of the structure having to be replaced before then, right? Yeah. And you could probably do that, couldn't you? If you jacked it up and you could replace it, and then you wouldn't disturb the deck? Typically, we, we want to encourage things like if you're working with a wood substructure, um, we, we actually sell some joist protection tapes. Um, and so you, it gives you an opportunity to treat the, the joist in a way on the top surface to, to protect it and to extend hmm. its longevity so that you don't need to worry about that hmm. um, over time. Did you do yours? Yeah, yeah it's oh, okay. well worth spent doing this because it's it's a long time. So Mike, what I, what I looked at when I was buying the, uh, the Trex product, I looked at it, the HHC, I called it. And my wife said to me, what is that? I said, the heat, number one, hamburgers and color. <laughs> She's like, hamburgers. I said, well, when we're cooking on the deck, if something drops on it, I said, I don't want a product that's going to fail when you have a big stain mark on it. Yeah. So it met all criteria, the HHC, the heat, hamburger, and color criteria, and it's perfect for my house. Yeah, mine's four years old. I don't have any. I don't have any How many hamburgers you put on your deck already? Not, not <laughs> a one. No, I'm, I'm not that careless with hamburgers, actually. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I tell you, I love the deck that we put on there. It really makes a big, big difference. Knowing about the heat, what you can get with these products, because heat, down, especially down the shore or it's any hot climates, you're going to notice that difference. And if you don't understand what you're getting into, that's why I went going from just a, a wood product when I retrofitted to going with this product, because it's hot. And you want to be able to enjoy the deck going out there when it's hot. Right. So that's why I did that. Yeah, it's got a lot of good things going for it. Your deck boards, regardless of the line, have a grooved edge, which makes for ease of installation. I would imagine with the Trex Hideaway hidden fastening system, right? Uh, which I have. Easy. Have, right? Yeah, very okay. easy to install. That is absolutely correct. And, 
It makes it um, super easy for a contractor or to install. And, you know, when you're putting in um, essentially a canvas for your outdoor environment, you don't want to see all those um, screws and, no. and, and fasteners across the deck. And so having those those groove boards allows the fastener to sit in on the joist in between the boards that allow for a nice clean reveal when, when the project's complete. Well, does that also, I mean, you don't have any holes in the boards. Does that also prevent water from getting into the boards? If you were utilizing a situation where you were doing a perimeter board, then you would end up in a situation where you would drill into the top of, we, we do sell square edge boards. And so for the boards that are around the perimeter of the deck and the boards that would be on a stair tread, um, you don't necessarily want to see that grooved edge on the outboard side. And so we sell square mm-hmm. edge boards and those are fastened um, with either a color matched screw that, that when, when driven in um, is flush with the surface of the deck board, mm-hmm. or there's also um, plug solutions. And so basically it's, it's a plug that is manufactured out of the deck board that allows you almost like in hardwood flooring um, after you've inserted a screw to put this plug over the top and, and you really can't see there was even a screw there to begin with. Um, it's certainly a little bit more laborious than working with hidden fasteners, um, but, but ends again with a really nice clean reveal. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is for the material composition of the board, uh, that combination of wood and plastic, um, it's relatively impervious to moisture and absorption. And so, I mean, you know, the, what's, what's, let's clarify it this way. I mean, the product is specified for use on, um, on docks and, and boardwalks. And so, you know, when you're in environments where the, the board for periods of time throughout any given day are, are submerged underwater, and that is something that we endorse the board to be utilized in those types of applications. And so drilling a hole doesn't really worry us, but we'll say so much about that. How do you get the natural wood grain in your decking? The wood grain is like, it's almost a dead ringer for real wood. It's really through through two aspects. And so I heard at the beginning of the call, you guys were referencing some of the products that you had considered and looked at. You know, we do sell boards, um, you know, a, a fewer number of offerings, but we do sell boards that are purely monochromatic. And so it's a straight gray um, coloring or a straight uh, coloring to the board. Most of our product lines, um, also utilize a, a, a technology within the shell that we call streaker technology. And basically what that is, is, you know, if you've got a, a light brown deck, when we're extruding it and then we're extruding that shell on top, there are a few pellets, let's call them raisins in the raisin brand, that are a much darker color. And so when they melt, they, they, they sort of spread out and they give a very random character mark. In, in the shell of the hmm. board. So it almost looks like a, a streak in a piece of tropical hardwood, for example. So that actually adds a lot of visual interest and character that provides um, some somewhat of, of the wood grain aspect of it. And the other part of it is, is after we, after we apply that shell to the top of the board in that inline process, we actually emboss it. And so we have this roller and I'm going to come back to the Play-Doh machine again and how you get a particular uh, design on the top of a piece of Play-Doh. It's essentially a roller that rolls over the top of the shell that that imparts uh, a grain pattern, what looks like a a, a cathedral in a a piece of actual lumber into that, that Trex deck board. Can you explain the difference in color selection? Go through that whole, the whole spread of the color selection across the three lines. At the end of the day, let's clarify our objective here 
we need to provide and continue to evolve our portfolio to include um, colors of products that are on trend and are what consumers like. Part of that aspect is that someone will come to our website and they'll see the different color offerings. They'll order a sample or they'll see one at a lumber yard and, and they love the color. But at the end of the day, it has to complement the exterior of your home. Sure. And and they're there are there there you know given given designs and and different options whether they be stucco or fiber cement or vinyl or brick. Um, there there's a variety of different colors and tones that we need to be able to complement as a manufacturer of an exterior product that's going to essentially abut that piece of your property. At the lowest common denominators, you've got light grays, dark grays. You know, trending in popularity, what we call grayes, which are sort of trending towards tan, medium browns, dark browns, and reds. I mean, those are really the categories of color that we work with. And then there's a whole bunch of different tones that you can get in within any of that range. There's also um, the aspect of the streaking that I referred to, and the the you know the color of the streaking, the boldness or the subtleness of it, depending on the product line, and then ultimately the grain patterning or the embossing that we apply over the top. And so, as an example, I'll characterize Transcend Tropical, the product that we launched a number of years ago at the premium part of our category. It's a much more aggressive embossing wood grain that is applied to that particular product. That, that really is the bellwether for durability in the entire category. It provides a set of staple colors that complement, I would say, the broadest variety of architectures and colors in the marketplace. We move forward to Transcend Lineage, which is the product that we've just launched over the past nine months um, that includes that um, IR technology for heat mitigation. We've had some evolution to the streaking technology, and so now we're able to, to do it in a whole lot more delicate manner and create some of those character markers or, or cathedrals um, with the streaking itself, as opposed to that sort of being something in the background. Now it's sort of more, a little bit more front and center, but yet much more subtle than it is on some of our earlier generations of products. So mm-hmm. it really brings a more modern, contemporary, clean aesthetic to the products because now if you can think about trying to get those those character marks to look like wood through the streaking process, now we don't have to have the embossing to do all the heavy lifting there. And so now we have a much, much more subtle embossing to the product that, um, that looks extremely random and extremely gentle, almost like if you were standing above it, what you would see in, in a piece of unfinished plain wood. And so there's really, you know, it really comes down to a similar set of colors. It's just what we're able to do with them across the different product lines that just draw a variety of different aesthetics that appeal to people at different levels and then, and then ultimately make the decision of, you know, where they want, want to land. In most cases, we find uh, within our, you know, we'll say our good, better, best continuum, people land on, on, on the best category because they just prefer the aesthetics there. And I think you, you gentlemen said earlier when you when you look at the difference in price against the context of the entire entire project, it's it's really becomes a no brainer. Yeah, I, I chose mine because it, it complemented the, uh, the you know my hands is a stucco. It's like a it's a dark, a darker tan, not a light tan, but a darker tan, and it, it works with my house. You know that's why I picked it. Yeah, for the mineral dollars, I was looking at a thirty to fifty year lifetime with this product so when you amortize that over the years it's definitely worth the money to do that because oh. i love looking at it every day oh yeah so that's why i went yeah. with this uh, the transcendent line with the island mist because I, I like it yeah 
So yeah. I, I, when I see something, a long time, right? I, I never want to do anything. I'm going, wow! I, I wish I spent a couple more dollars to right. do this. And now that I have it, it just looks right. what I wanted to well, look. I'm like. happy with mine too. So essentially, what you're saying is, not, regardless of the style of architecture, it could be uh, arts and crafts house, could be a, a modern house. You got the product to match that style, correct? Yes. How do the three different lines cost compare to wood decking? That's a, a multiple question. So the question is, is when we talk about wood, there's obviously the cost of pressure treated, there's the cost of redwood, and there's the cost of, of tropical hardwoods like ePay. And so when you look at ePay, you know, some of our most premium products um, aren't at the level of price, uh, we'll say per linear square foot, that you would find it in the tropical hardwood. Okay. When you get all the way down to the lowest common denominator being pressure treated, our enhanced basics line is somewhere in and around, depending on where wood is fluctuating, two times the price of wood. So when you look at that across an installed product, you know, it makes it quite easy for somebody to, to make the decision that a product like Trex makes sense, just given all of the details that you've all referenced to your own experience with it in your own projects. But as you work your way up the line, all the way up through Trex Select and Trex Transcend, Trex Transcend Lineage, I mean, you will find that the product will be five plus times the cost of wood per square foot area. What you also need to take into consideration is if we're talking purely about the raw material costs, because if you look at the maintenance cycles that are necessary for a wood deck in terms of cleaning and oh, wow, sanding yeah. and staining um, over, over a 25 or even 50 year hiatus, well, let's face it, a wood deck isn't going to last you 50 years. And if it does, it's a situation where you're having to every three to four years, four is probably a stretch, go and spend that additional money into the life of a deck board versus what you pay for up front with tracks. By the way, you could spend your summers enjoying the time out there relaxing rather than than doing labor or being inconvenienced by an inability to not use your deck. Yeah, so true. I've been there and done that with a wood deck maintenance. Yeah. Never, never yeah, doing that again. Mulch by time never we doing fixed yours. Yeah, and I had I put when I originally put my deck in, which was smaller, it was added to. It was a top top grade of cedar, and even that doesn't last. Yeah. You know, mulch. Yeah, mulch. It, it turned mulch. to mulch. Don't you also have a whole railing lighting system to complement the three different lines? Oh yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't just say a railing system. We've got Similar to decking, we've got a whole portfolio of railing, um, you know, that really leads the industry um, in that regard. So, you know, we've got, again, similar if we talk in that best, better, good, um, mm -hmm. we've got a line of aluminum railing that, that is branded Trek Signature. You know, that really offers us the greatest variety of design options. And so, you know, with aluminum, you know, we, we offer it in three colors, black, a white, and a bronze that that are great complements um, to either, you know, the, the deck board, your house architecture, or uh, compatible with what HOAs might have for regulations. You know, we offer it in that particular line in, in a traditional vertical square picket, just like you, you would imagine railing to look like, but then just a variety of really more custom looking railing systems. And so we've got glass rails, we've got what we call a rod rail, which is literally like the balusters where the pickets are going horizontally within the within the, the, the infill of the railing. So much more contemporary looking product. And then we even have a stainless steel mesh that's got just a, a really, really, you know, when you when you think of houses that might be, you know, trending towards 
modern farmhouse. Um, those styles of railing are just really, really trending well in that regard. But then when you step down into our better and good categories, we have Trex Transcend Composite Railing and Trex Select and Enhanced Composite Railing in, in those better and, and good categories. And then you start looking at products that are getting, you know, the same levels of you know performance that you've come to expect from other composite products. And so, you know, that they don't move a whole lot during freeze and thaw, so they're very stable, um, unlike some of the PVC products that that often find themselves in those price points. They they tend to chalk under UV over years. Yeah. They tend to be mm-hmm. a little squeaky if you lean against them, where the, the fit and finish of the composite products... The, the, by the way, in the case of Transcend, we offer in, in five different colors uh, to choose from in terms of an array of things to really draw attention to that, that outdoor space because the railing is going to be something that's really visible. We offer the ability to design it with a very traditional top rail, but also the ability to put a deck board or a two by four on top, almost as what you would call in the industry a drink rail. And so it's just a whole lot of versatility that we impart with those three lines of railing. And then on top of it, we have a line of LED deck lighting. So it's got really great energy efficiency that kind of trends with the recycled content in all of our products. You know, our decking is at 95% recycled content. So, you know, we really take our pride in our heritage being, you know, green and sustainable. And even down to the lighting products that we're using being LED that are extremely energy and efficient in that regard allows us to do post caps or post lamps that mount on the side or even boards, uh, lights that will mount flush with the surface of the deck board or even on stair treads. And so we've got a variety of, of options there to really, from a safety standpoint, but also from an ambiance standpoint on, on your deck project to, to give you what you're looking for. Yeah, I would, I would encourage all of our listeners who are planning to do something, a deck or maybe a low-level deck, like a ground contact deck instead of concrete or whatever, would be a great option. It looks to me, and I've spent a lot of time on your website, like you've got a greater product line than ever before like outdoor fencing outdoor kitchens i think you do that in partnership partnership with somebody else too right yes we do everything from the decking and railing and lighting that we've talked about to options for cladding and kitchens and furniture pergolas we sell a line of fencing and so if you could imagine and just close your eyes and think of what your outdoor living environment could look like and think about all of the different structures that you'd find in it there's a pretty good chance somewhere within the trex portfolio We've got a product that fits in that space. Anybody who is planning any outdoor project like this, go to the Trex website. There are a lot of great tools there. There are planning tools there. And you can really get a sense of how magnificent these products are. That's what I did. Yeah, that's what you did. That's what I did when I originally did, did my project. So, Mike, thank you for your time. Thanks for your expertise. This has been wonderful. And thanks for a great product. And thanks yeah, for looking a great forward product, to the summer. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or piling on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever. You have Unison, right? Yep, paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments? How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value 
up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing, products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship. The Provia way. That's this week's podcast. Your Valuable Home comes to you every week on the new Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. <laughs> 